Hey Rebels, welcome to Blasphemous Nutrition. Consider this podcast your pantry full of clarity, perspective, and the nuance needed to counter the superficial health advice so freely given on the internet. I'm Amy, the unapologetically candid host of Blasphemous Nutrition and a double-degreed nutritionist with 20 years experience. I'm here to share a more nuanced take on living and eating well to sustain and recover your health. If you found most health advice to be so generic as to be meaningless, or so extreme that it's unrealistic, and you don't mind the occasional F-bomb, you've come to the right place. From dissecting the latest nutrition trends to breaking down published research and sharing my own clinical experiences, I'm on a mission to foster clarity amidst all the confusion and empower you to have the health you need to live a life you love. Now let's get started. Welcome back to Blasphemous Nutrition. I'm your radishing host, Amy. And for the next two episodes, I'm going to be diving into the art and science of building habits that increase your odds of success. This is the time of year, whether we intend to or not, that we're thinking about how we want to do things differently than years past. Beyond the New Year's resolution, anyone looking to make a change will likely have some goals in mind. In today's episode, I'll show you how to level up your goals to achieve success by transitioning from externally driven goal setting to internally resourced intentions that support healthy and more sustainable achievement of those intentions. In the next episode, I'll share how you can use external frameworks to achieve these new internally sourced intentions. Some of what I'm going to discuss today is gleanings from the positive psychology movement, which is worth looking into, and also some key takeaways from the popular book Atomic Habits, which I use in private practice. Um, reading that book was oddly affirming because uh, I recognized a lot of things that I had learned over multiple years in clinical care, which was kind of cool. I will also share stories of clients who have implemented some of these strategies as well as how I intend on using these strategies for myself with one of my own goals and intentions for 2024. So let's get started. First, we want to cultivate a mindset of success. And this is where positive psychology comes in. Positive psychology is a branch of human psychology that focuses on what works, what leads to success and happiness, fulfillment, and emotional strength among people. There are examples throughout history of human beings who have really risen to the occasion in some pretty harsh circumstances. Uh, Viktor Frankl comes to mind as this classic example of someone who took one of the most horrific events in written history and really overcame unfathomable obstacles and emerged as a rather sane human being, despite insane circumstances he lived through in the concentration camps. So positive psychology kind of looks at that and then determines what are, how can we encourage the cultivation and acknowledgement of these positive resources? How can we instill these attributes for all of us, right, so that we can all live more fulfilling lives? So positive psychology encourages the cultivation and acknowledgement of grit, 
gratitude, and meaning in allowing us to reach our goals or change our behaviors. Now, grit is what we consider emotional resilience or intestinal fortitude, right? It's not actually a static attribute that we're born with or not born with, but it's something that all of us can cultivate. Having grit increases our ability to believe that we can do hard things and the stubbornness to continue trying even when it's not easy. Now, coming from a culture that values easy instant gratification and the belief that we can and should have it all, it's really easy to see how cultivating grit is something that has been de-emphasized perhaps as long as, you know, the end of World War II. Now, in order to establish grit, we want to acknowledge our past successes in overcoming obstacles as well as acknowledging each time from now into the future that we get a tiny win. And this improves our resilience and our belief in ourselves to make change. I know each one of you listening has been alive long enough to meet a challenge and get through it. Maybe it was messy, or maybe it was glorious, but you did it. This is proof in your own personal history that you can survive hardships. It validates the notion of your own capabilities. So next, you want to make each and every hardship that you overcome, even the small little ones, further proof of your capabilities. And over time, this helps to minimize doubt and any old stories you may carry that you have about yourself and who you are and what you can or cannot achieve. These two exercises establish grit and resilience in the face of difficulty, and believing that you can actually achieve your goals is, in my estimation, more than half the battle. If you have doubts, if you're looking to change something pretty significant this year, make sure that you take a moment to assess where you've overcome difficulties in the past, where you've done something that required a lot of resilience and work right? As well as continuing to celebrate the tiny and large efforts that you make in all areas of your life, right? Not just related to the change that you're looking to achieve. The next attribute is gratitude. By shifting to a more gratitude-oriented mindset, we're able to dampen some of the negative emotions and beliefs that can inhibit our ability to change. Gratitude can help us find meaning and purpose within our challenges, and this adds hope and meaning to our lives. All of these aspects improve our mindset and give us a stronger belief in a better future for ourselves, which, of course, is going to make it easier to stay motivated to change and to weather any challenges that could potentially sabotage our goals. So if I'm doing a dry July, I'm not having any alcohol for the month of July, and then one night out at dinner, I have a sip of my husband's wine, there are a couple of ways I could look at this, right? An attitude of gratitude would, you know, I would tell myself, whoa, I'm glad I had just a sip and resisted ordering a glass. That was great. Whereas not cultivating this appreciation might lead me to then just order my own glass, right? Because I blew it. I I messed up. I'm no longer dry. I had a sip. So forget it. I'm going to order a glass. By 
cultivating that attitude of gratitude, we maintain a more balanced, healthy perspective. And it's it's super crucial for anybody who tends to have a perfectionist mindset to cultivate this attitude of gratitude. So that way they can have deeper appreciation for themselves and their abilities, right? Which brings me to meaning. Meaning is another really important aspect that I also use with my clients daily. When our goals are established, it's then important to be clear about what achieving that goal means to you and your life. Holding that desire can pull all of us through times when our motivation tends to be low. As their coach and their nutritionist, I can remind them of this bigger picture when my clients are struggling. When there is a challenge, it ultimately can become an opportunity to discover the deeper meaning behind a slip-up or to cultivate a stronger connection to the task at hand. For instance, let's say I have a client who's struggling with food prep. And, you know, we will explore some of the obstacles that get in the way. Sometimes that obstacle is simply an unconscious knee-jerk reaction to a belief that they have that it's their job to respond to work demands beyond when they're scheduled to clock out, right? If you check your emails or your, you know, your colleagues or your boss has unlimited text access to you, it can kind of create an, an almost a unwilling and an unconscious expectation that you are there for them at all times. And if that belief prevails, of course it will get in the way of you actually living your own life on your own terms. So by highlighting the choice of, say, favoring one's employer over one's own health and longevity, sometimes just pointing that out is a strong enough awakening that this friction vanishes. And then the client is able to be like, yeah, okay, I'm sending out an email saying, do not expect me to answer if you send me a message or an email after six o'clock. Do not expect an answer until the next day, right? And then they can devote their home time to themselves and their family rather than getting sucked back into work again. Now, in the case of a slip up where, say, there's emotional eating or a deviation off plan, finding the meaning within it allows us to better understand our obstacles and our Achilles heel, as it were, and then strategize how to overcome them in the future. So rather than letting a setback cause someone to enter the shame and blame cycle, my clients learn how to view their setbacks as opportunities for skill refinement that have zero bearing on their ability to succeed in the long term. This is ultimately not about willpower, okay? And a lot of people step in, you know, when, when we're doing an, an initial meeting, they'll say that they don't have any willpower or their willpower is only for a short period of time. And I remind them, yeah, that's the nature of willpower. It's not a long-term fuel. It's like the kindling or the gasoline. It just like, it's, it's a quick burning energy source. What we really need to create lasting change in our lives and to really make effective changes in habits is skill power, not willpower. Now, the next thing that you want to do is identify your values and your strengths and use them in service of your goal. So identify where you've done hard things in the past, right, to prove to yourself that you can do hard things here, even if you've previously been unsuccessful before. You also want to identify the core beliefs and values you have that motivate you to stay the course. 
for many of my patients, focusing on their health and their lifestyle habits has a deeper meaning of perhaps wanting to simply be alive and healthy for their children as they become adults or having quality relationships with their grandchildren, being able to keep up with them, to play with them, to get them up down on their knees and play with the little ones. Or it could be having your actions in your daily life align with your values of health or modeling how you want your children to behave in their lives so they don't face some of the health struggles that you do, right? These are some of the core beliefs and values that many of my clients have that motivate them to seek this change in the first place. Now, last week, I mentioned how having a positive image and belief about your body and your ability to change and your ability to to move, to exercise, increased effectiveness in a weight loss study. And so it's, again, important to bring those values top of mind and also to bring in those examples of where you've succeeded in other areas of your life so that you can remind yourself that you are actually capable of doing this too, even if you've not yet been successful. Next, you'll want to list your strengths and then use them to reinforce and build your habits. So some ideas of strengths you may already have is, well, I'll use several of my own. Um, One, I'm stubborn, and that has served me very well. Um, It's not always a good thing, but when it comes to meeting a goal, I'm stubborn enough that even if it takes several years, I will push at it until I get there. Actually, this podcast is a perfect example of that. Um, I'm good at finishing tasks on a list. I am a creative cook. I actually like to exercise. Right. What are some of your strengths? Do you enjoy cooking? Do you know how to cook well, even if you don't enjoy it? Right. That's still a strength. What are some of the strengths that you already have that you might be able to lean on while you're making these changes? And so ultimately, what you will do is you will stay mindful of your core beliefs and values and how you would act if you were fully aligned with those values using the strengths that you already know you have, and then building upon those existing strengths to increase your resiliency against letting backslides derail you. So along this line of bringing in your existing strengths and your values to set goals is the concept of building identity-based habits. And this is outlined in the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. The idea is that your current behaviors are a reflection of your current identity. So for instance, if you don't smoke, it's in part because you hold the values and identity of a non-smoker. When I have clients who have a goal that feel at odds with how she self-identifies, for instance, the most common one I hear is, oh, I'm not an exerciser. I don't like to exercise. But she has a goal, right? I need to be more active. So if I have a client who has a goal that feels at odds with who she perceives herself to be, I'll often ask her to imagine the person that she's growing into and becoming. To reliably change your behavior for good, you need to start believing new things about yourself. So decide who the type of person is that you're growing into, right, that you want to become, and then you set out to prove that to yourself with small wins and acknowledging those small wins. I have regular conversations about this with clients, and I'll often 
point out how this is happening in real time because they're usually too close to the process to realize that they're becoming the person that they told me they wanted to become when we first met. So for instance, last week, a client who has had a long history of identifying herself as someone who doesn't like to exercise was telling me she was looking forward to going out for her daily walk after a period of being ill. And so I reflected back to her this shift in perspective, right, directly challenging that belief that she had that she is someone who does not like to exercise, that when given the chance, she's happy to just like sit with a mug of tea on the couch in front of the fire rather than go out and go for a walk. Having someone who's able to do this, right, to reflect this back to you is incredibly helpful because we are often so deep in the process that we miss these changes entirely as they're happening, right? We're in the middle of the muck and the mire of change, and we don't often have that external perspective to acknowledge the progress that we're making. And this is compounded if you're one of those folks who only has your eye on the end goal and not the process that will get you there, right? So this brings me to my next strategy for long-term goal success, which is celebrating the tiny victories. This is so important because not everyone has someone like me in their life who is able to see and call out these transformations as they're happening. This is, you know, these victories and acknowledging these victories that you had, these tiny little wins, is extremely important for you to do for yourself. I want you to celebrate the small wins through self-acknowledgement and then layer in some rewards that support your goals rather than detract from them, right? Like you don't want to congratulate yourself for saving $500 into your emergency savings account by going out and buying expensive shoes, okay? The same goes for our health and nutrition goals. I, I know this goes without saying, but so many of us are conditioned to reward ourselves with you know, sugar or, or a meal out or any kind of suboptimal food, that it's a pattern worth acknowledging and not reinforcing in this circumstance. So on that note of daily wins and celebrating the small wins, I got this great tip from the uh, Focus on This podcast, which is a podcast about productivity. And I, I love that podcast. But on a recent episode about goal setting, they talked about putting, you know, one of the things that they talk about is acknowledging daily wins, right? So celebrating something every day that you've done, which is a great mindset shift for a lot of us rather than focusing on what we didn't get done on the to-do list, right? What have we achieved? And someone on that podcast had recommended putting it down in Google calendars every day. And then you have this searchable list of successes that you can review at the end of the year and just kind of like fully face what a badass you are. And I totally love this idea of having an easily searchable way of acknowledging all of the wins that you've had over a period of time. And it's a wonderful way of also seeing the success that you've actually achieved over the course of a full year. Totally love this idea. I'm implementing it this year from myself. Let me know if you do the same. So by utilizing these concepts of tiny changes, which I'll discuss in the next episode, as well as positive psychology, we can reduce some of the perceived effort and the actual effort that it takes to make change and make the process of change something that is more gradual, 
more meaningful, and more fun. So you want to take action on today's episode and bolster your own goal-setting success. So here are the key takeaways from today. One, acknowledge the grit that you have already built through overcoming previous challenges in your life. Two, practice gratitude often. Now, this is an excellent practice to do daily, and it's been shown in a couple of interventional studies to reduce worker burnout and perceived stress in the workplace. Honestly, this alone is good reason to give it a go because job stress is a challenge for many of my clients that is one of the things that gets in the way of getting a healthy dinner on the table or getting to the gym after work. A gratitude practice can be as simple as writing or sharing with someone else one thing that you're grateful for every day before bed or even first thing in the morning while you enjoy a cup of coffee or brush your teeth. Number three. Know your values and your strengths and use these to give internal meaning and alignment with your goals and intentions. Spend some time identifying why the goals you've created for yourself are important to you and how they align with your deeper core values and your sense of who you are or who you want to be in the world. Write this down and if you feel comfortable, share it with someone who is supporting you so that they can reinforce your willingness to push through when life gets complicated because life will get complicated. Four, and this is the last one, list tiny ways that you can acknowledge and celebrate your successes. Now, I will say the harder the goal for you, like the harder the goal, the more often this needs to be done. So for instance, it's been continuously ongoing, bloody hard for me to get to the gym since I've become a mother. So every time I meet my minimum goal, I essentially treat myself like a proud parent and I congratulate myself heartily every single time, right? So ideally, this happens at least once a week where I'm like, hey, you got to the gym. Good job. This year, I have a bigger reward of getting my own personal trainer to spot and coach me through some heavier lifting. But this bigger reward only happens after 16 weeks of consistently showing up and building that foundation that I need to justify the expense of a trainer who's going to be, you know, helping me through some much heavier weights than I can lift by my own. So how can you celebrate the tiny wins and the big wins of meeting your goals or consistently doing the habits that will get you to those larger goals. All right, folks, this wraps up part one of Cultivating Healthy Habits That Last. In the next episode, I will share how to anticipate, plan, and strategize your way to success. If you have thought of someone while listening to this, send this episode to them and let them know that you thought of them. Generally, people really appreciate hearing from you and knowing that they're on your mind. Also, by scrolling down and leaving a review on iTunes, you do others that you don't know a huge favor by allowing them to more easily find this podcast, thus finding a salty and sane alternative to all the piss-poor information out there. All right, thanks again for listening, folks. Until next time. If you have found some nuggets of wisdom, make sure to subscribe, rate, and share Blasphemous Nutrition with those you care about. As you navigate the labyrinth of health advice out there, remember, health is a journey, not a dietary dictatorship. 
Stay skeptical, stay daring, and challenge the norms that no longer serve you. If you've got burning questions or want to share your own flavor of rebellion, slide into my DMs. Your stories fuel me, and I love hearing them. Thanks again for tuning in to Blasphemous Nutrition. Until next time, this is Amy signing off, reminding you that truth is nuanced, and any dish can be made better with a little bit of sass. Any and all information shared here is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not to be misconstrued as offering medical advice. Listening to this podcast does not constitute a provider-client relationship. Note, I'm not a doctor nor a nurse, and it is imperative that you utilize your brain and your medical team to make the best decisions for your own health. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked to this podcast are at the user's own risk. No information nor resources provided are intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Be a smart human and do not disregard or postpone obtaining medical advice for any medical condition you may have. Seek the assistance of your healthcare team for any such conditions and always do so before making any changes to your medical, nutrition, or health plan.